All right. And many of you may be wondering why you're getting this podcast notification on a Sunday. That is because we have a new segment called In the Ring. And so today joining us in the ring is a good friend of mine that I've known for a lot of years, Olivia Rondeau. Um, Olivia, you know, I could introduce you, but I'll just let you introduce yourself. I should introduce myself. I never know what to do or what to say, but uh, yes, I'm Olivia Rondo. I mainly just write and commentate, so that's my shtick. Um, we met on Twitter, actually, like three years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, we did meet up. Well, we met on Twitter. God, that was That was some good old times. But, you know, Olivia, I will tell you, I'll be 100% honest with you. Um, I'm not too sure how to how to define you uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, like, a political spectrum, what what I think your politics would be. So if you could just, like, if, if we met in an elevator, and I'm one of the weird people who would ask somebody in an elevator who they voted for, if you had to kind of, like, give us a rundown of, like, who you uh, voted for, like, not necessarily who you voted for, but, like, what you think your political um, ideas and political compass lies where, where do you think that is um i usually tell people i'm a conservatarian which confuses people but it's basically the most succinct way i could put it so it's somewhere in between a conservative and libertarian so on fiscal issues people who identify as a conservatarian tend to be very very fiscally conservative in terms of social issues usually not so staunch i mean there is a a spectrum. So I wouldn't say I am fully socially libertarian. Like there are some things that I think that the conservatives have right in, in terms of uh, social politics, but I definitely lean more libertarian in that regard. So when it comes to, so I know a lot of quote unquote libertarians. Um, so when it comes to libertarian, you just described that very well, but I, I don't know if you want to talk to this or not. You can obviously, you can obviously tell me no, um, a lot of libertarians, are, I think, are very, 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 um, very principled. Um, but then I know some libertarians who are very pragmatist, meaning like, hey, you know, I, you know, Trump wants to spend too much money, but if we don't vote for Trump, Biden will win, and Biden will spend twelve times as much money as Trump. So, what do you think? You know, are you more pragmatic in your libertarian approach or conservatarian approach? Are you more, you know, screw the Republican Party? I'm going to vote for Joe Jorgensen every year, right in. Uh, write in Gary Johnson, who I think should be president. Like, what's going on there? Um, I've definitely had an evolution. I think I used to be a lot more pragmatic. Um, in and I guess I would use that term in the way a Republican would use that term. So, pragmatic for a Republican would be, hey, if you're a libertarian, you know, don't join the LP, don't support any LP party politics, just support, you know, the best candidate we have in the in the GOP. And that's the position I held for a really long time. Um, however, lately I've been branching out to support more third-party candidates, uh, such as libertarian candidates or independent candidates. That's not to say I don't still have people in the GOP that I support. I'm a big proponent of not putting all your eggs in one basket. So any way that a smaller government can be achieved, I'm like, you know what, go for it. Like, There may be a race where I'm like, all right, the LP candidate is the best way, voting for the LP candidate here is the best way to get liberty achieved, or voting for the Republican candidate is the best way to get liberty achieved, or voting for the independent candidate, uh, so on and so forth. So I'm not super strict with it currently. And I've actually never been registered as any party, but currently I'm an independent. So I'm not even in uh, either the Libertarian Party or the Republican Party. Um, I've worked on uh, campaigns and helped with campaigns in both parties as well as independent campaigns. So to me, to some people that seems radical that I would even 
differ from the duopoly, but to me, it seems even more pragmatic from my standpoint, because I'm basically helping wherever I can and, and wherever I see fit. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really great point. Um, and something we've talked about in the past, but I, I do want to get this because, you know, I've always said that there's a few female, well, a lot of females in the world who scare me. I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I've never been a fighter. I've never claimed to be a fighter. Oh, really? You're not a fighter? No, I'm a lover. I okay. I, you know, I like, I think we should all get along and sing Kumbaya, but apparently from what I've gathered over our years of, I would say a friendship or at least an acquaintanceship, I don't know if you'd consider us friends. Um, you're my friend. Thank you. I appreciate that. Is that you, uh, you're, you're a wrestler. You were a wrestler, are a wrestler. I'm not too sure how that works right now with COVID and whatnot. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither, to be honest. So really, I, I guess there's a couple of questions here. Um, one, you know, because I think you had to wrestle males in your in, in most of your things, especially when in high school. And I think you, you did wrestle in college or you still do. I'm not quite sure if you want to touch on that. So we can buy some Olivia Rondeau merch. Um, but also when it comes to the idea, you know, you see stories all the time. I see stories all the time of some six foot four dude who can't win in, in a male sport, you know, wanting to wrestle some five foot six girl and ultimately pummeling her. I just don't know if you want to, uh, if you want to talk about that at all. Yeah, no, we can definitely touch on that a bit. So to clarify, you threw a lot of stuff at me, but to clarify, um, yeah, so when I was in high school, my freshman year, sophomore year, I started wrestling my freshman year. So my freshman, sophomore year, I was in public school and I was wrestling exclusively boys until the off season. And then I would go to like nationals and the girls tournaments and stuff over the summer. But the high school, like scholastic season, the tournaments and stuff through the school, that was all through boys. So um, that was very interesting. And so I, I often talk about my experience with that when I'm talking about the topic you just brought up, which is uh, transgender athletes or uh, athletes who are biologically male and identifying as trans women competing against biological women. So uh, I won a lot of matches against boys. Uh, I think I'm an outlier. I think that most men are going to beat most women in uh, any given sport, uh, mostly combat sports. So something like wrestling, boxing, MMA. In the Olympics, when we saw uh, the transgender weightlifter from New Zealand enter, anything like that, I, there's definitely an inherent uh, biological strength difference that the male athletes would have. Um, and to clarify about the rest of, oh, there you are. And to clarify about the rest of uh, my wrestling career, uh, my junior year of high school, I was recruited to the Olympic development team. So I actually was on um, an all girls team where we would go and like represent team USA and, and do cool things like that. And then in college, that was girls wrestling as well. I'm currently not in college. I decided to uh, just work full time and not get into debt. Um, I'm still grappling. I do jujitsu. I'm still looking to compete soon. Um, I'm currently not on a uh, wrestling team right now. Okay. Well, here, here's a real question. Because, you know, you like to make money, I like to make money. Do you think we could get some sort of some sort of Republican versus Democrat wrestling boxing match going on? And if so, who on the left do you think you'd want to box in this? So is this like the baseball game, like between the Republicans and Democrats? And, yeah, but a lot cooler. A lot cooler. We'll do it MMA style so you can wrestle and, like, punch. So who, if there was somebody on the left or even on the right, who knows? We can keep this I'm trying straight. to think, like, okay, so – for the right, I would definitely have to nominate Marjorie Taylor Greene because she's pretty jacked. Like, I don't, I don't know if you've seen her, but she posts like these Oh, I know crazy Marjorie. Marjorie's videos. a good friend of mine. Oh, really? Okay. Jack, too. Like, I'll get along for the most part, which is the funniest part. But I think it would just be super entertaining to see. 
Yeah, so I think we should definitely I think we should definitely get that going. But you know, I wanna so I wanna get into a couple of, you know, hot button issues because we have to talk about hot button issues or else people won't listen to this and if people don't listen to this, I don't make any money. So here's something that I've noticed and you could tell me if I'm wrong. I don't wanna assume your 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 race or your gender or anything, but it appears to me that you're in fact a female. Would you say that's correct, Olivia? That would be correct. That's right. the word I need to describe myself. I've also noticed that you happen not to be Caucasian. Is that would that would you also identify as non-Caucasian? I mean, I'm fifty percent Caucasian, so I don't know if that's fully correct. Would you <laughs> Would you say that you're not what the left would say is a white? No, person? like I don't identify as white. Is what you're asking? Okay, and my reasoning for asking this is because uh, a lot of people on the left would say that if you are not if you if you're you know, not white, you're not a male, uh, you shouldn't be, you know, anything farther left than or farther right than a socialist, yet you are. So what really do you say where you were like, you know, screw what the Democrats and the socialists and the left wing people are saying. I want to think for myself. I want to become a conservative or a Republican or conservatarian, as you say. You know, what do you think really led you to become uh, this independent thinker who, I mean, I love every article you write. You're, I don't think anybody controls you. It's, you write whatever you want. I think that's been evident because I've been following you on Twitter for a number of years. What really led you to become, you know, a conservatarian? Have you always been that? And uh, what if you had to make a pitch to people listening who maybe are on the left? I don't think a lot of them listen, but if they are, what you would, uh, what, what what you would say to them? So I was not always a conservative or libertarian. Um, I grew up in a in a religious household. It wasn't super political, but I think my upbringing predisposed me to lean a little bit more conservative just because I grew up, you know, going to church and I grew up shooting guns and hunting and fishing, blah, 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 blah. Until I hit around middle school. And, you know, when kids go to middle school or they get on the internet, like I was heavy onto Tumblr at the time. I don't know if you were on there or um, just any type of like teenage blog site at the time. It's like super left-leaning. And it was honestly worse than Gen Z is on Twitter now. Like this course was insane. So I would say for a brief time in my very early teenage years, like 12 to 14 to 15 ish, I was probably more closely aligned with liberal or Democrats. Like I thought that Republicans were racist. Like that was really my only political belief. I was very uninformed, uh, you know, didn't, couldn't name, couldn't name a policy I supported. It was just typical kid, you know, that was, that was just what I thought. Then high school rolls around and it's the 2016 election. I'm a how old was I? Uh, I guess I was a sophomore in high school, I think. Um, and uh, a lot of my friends on the wrestling team, which was majority white guys, are talking about supporting Trump. And there's this one black guy in the team that I remember that's a. Do you sometimes get the sense that debates about America's role in the world are predictable and often disconnected from reality? Our new podcast tries to change that. None of the Above offers new ideas to help confront America's global challenges. Subscribe to None of the Above today. With MailChimp, you get a whole lot more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. That means you can connect your data to make more informed, smarter decisions. And you get powerful automation tools like our customer journey builder to ensure you never miss an opportunity to turn shoppers into loyal customers. So if you're ready to integrate your marketing and boost sales, get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. supporting Donald Trump. And so basically I go home to my dad about this. I'm like, 
are these just I don't know what's going on and my dad who is black you know half my family is black um is like that's when I decided I need to do my own research because of all these people that uh whose opinions I valued and trusted were a Republican or something, at least look into it. I looking into what conservatism was. I decided that I don't align with the Democratic Party after doing a lot of research, especially doing a lot of research on Hillary Clinton. I was just like, I can't support this. I just can't support this. If anything, I'm not even, if anything at the time, I wasn't even a hardcore Trump supporter. I was just like super anti-Hillary and super anti-Democrat, which kind of led me into exploring conservatism, I guess. Um, and then I kind of got back to my roots a little bit, like, you know what, I did grow up hunting and fishing. I did grow up with a with a value and a love of the Second Amendment and the First Amendment and uh, the Constitution, whether it be subconscious or not. Because I, like I said, I wasn't super informed on issues like that uh, beforehand, but just with my upbringing, it created like a natural disposition to be passionate about those issues. Um, and so that's why I created my Twitter account uh, sometime during the Trump administration. I believe it was the beginning of 2018. Uh, and just to find a sense of community, to be honest, because where I was before was I was actually always like, I was like, I should just make a Twitter so I could see the Trump tweets. So that's why I made Twitter. And from Twitter, everything just kind of took off. At first, I was definitely more mainstream, like MAGA, you know, like find like other people who any demographic, like female, black, uh, high schooler, like at the time, you know, I was a teenager. So I was just trying to like kind of find a sense of community, like so I wouldn't be the only person. And then once I found that community, I realized, hey, I don't necessarily fit into this camp very strictly either. So that's when I started questioning if I really was going to want to become a Republican and stuff. And, uh, you know, I started having different ideas uh, than the majority of the GOP on things like the war on drugs and things like uh, Black agenda and such and such. So I don't think I ever... Uh, left the right, I still, most people would still definitely consider me a conservative, like most normies would. Uh, most Republicans, you know, they might question it and that's fine. Um, but I think finally I, I found like my niche where I fit into and I'm enjoying it a lot, being more on like the liberty side of things, but still on the right. No, yeah, definitely. You're definitely not a, a traditional button up, what I call a cookie cutter conservative. Um, which I, I don't like cookie cutter conservatives. That's just me. But uh, we can get into that later on if you'd like to. But um, so so you you mentioned Hillary Clinton earlier, and it's clear that you're not a fan. I saw you on on, on Kennedy telling people that you thought she was a lizard person. Um, mm -hmm. And I just you know, do you really Casual. believe that? I mean, I, I don't I don't discount it at all. But I this may sound crazy. I don't I wouldn't say she's from another planet. I probably would not agree that she's an alien lizard person. She's from New York. That's pretty much another planet. Yeah. Well, that you know, the whole lizard bit or the alien bit, that's mostly a joke. But I do sound crazy when I say this. I do think that um a lot of these elites and not necessarily liberal or democrats, but a lot of these elites in general who are part of the establishment and the government they got some kooky going on. I don't know if they sold their soul to the devil, if they do rituals, if they're all part of this whole Pizzagate thing. I think there's something going on above us all. And I don't know if it's lizard people. I don't know if it's aliens or what, but I think she's part of it. So that's why I said that. I think there is something definitely very sinister about it. I know the whole like, oh, like if you if you uh, have information about Hillary Clinton getting arrested, you'll get suicided. I just from earaches to strep tests, there's Minute Clinic at CVS. See a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials. Or see us online with telehealth options. That's healthier made easier. Visit Minute Clinic at CVS today. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. 
genuinely believe that. So I, she might not be I mean, a lizard, but she's definitely evil. I can name a lot of people. I mean, it was Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Seth Rich, I think, was one of the first people. Seth Rich, yeah. And there's a lot of people from, like, during the Clinton years of being in office. During when Bill Clinton was assaulting girls and stuff. Yeah, you know, Brandon Broderick. Girls gunned down and stuff. There was one guy who got shot in the back of the head nine times, and they ruled it suicide. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. very impressive. He must be very strong. So, you know, I that, do. The one chick that was working at Starbucks and just got randomly, like, gunned down. I didn't. No I didn't deal. hear that one, but she probably um, messed up somebody's drink. I mean, I, I went through Starbucks the other day. They messed up my. Yeah, drink. she probably like, deserved even, it. It's not even a hard drink to to make. I mean, I, I'll make it myself. Um, all right, so I do want to ask you a question. I guess it kind of gets onto the, the the previous question about you being. You know, I think I think I should just title this Olivia Rondo is weird. Um, a, a bit critical race theory has been a big thing, uh, in in the news everywhere. Uh, and you know, I don't think you subscribe to Kieber next. Ibram X. Kennedy's opinion on critical race theory and how the races uh, align in America. So you being somebody who doesn't think, you know, inside the box whatsoever, you know, what is your take on critical race theory about it being, you know, taught in schools and this and that and the other? It seems like such a hot button issue that came out of nowhere that I have to question its legitimacy. I think that for both sides, it's being used as a boogeyman. Like the left is going to be like, uh, Republicans want to stop your children from learning about slavery in school because the Republicans are saying we're going to ban CRT and the Democrats are countering that messaging with saying, well, CRT is learning about history or CRT is learning about racism, which I don't think the right thinks that's what CRT is. I think the right thinks that CRT is this, uh, they think that they think it generally is what it is, like it is a Marxist ideology. Critical theory comes from Marxist schools of thought. It was created by Marxists. So you can make critical anything theory and analyze it in a Marxist way. So critical race theory is analyzing race uh, in a way that basically uh, pits races against each other using systems. And that's what Marxism is. So I think that's what the right views it as. However, the right thinks that that's being taught in elementary schools, which it's not. There is critical race theory is a is a high level course that's taught mostly in colleges and in some high schools it's not in your kindergartners curriculum however there are negative racial curriculums being taught it's just not critical race theory in elementary school so when republicans are running on school boards individual communities and uh, just very locally controlled and that's about it well perfect i agree with you a lot there now i do want to get into a couple of more things as well i know you used to be a uh, a correspondent with campus reform i've written for them in the past too um so i, I do really want to and you being a former college student i do kind of want to get into this because uh, i get asked all the time but i go to pretty conservative schools so it's there's not a lot of liberal bias but i know you being up in the northeast part of the country you might have a different opinion on it you know what do you you know is there a liberal bias on college campuses uh what can concern if you had to have a message to uh, a conservative student going through that what would you say to them and how they can combat um, combat that against the professors? Because I've always for once said that you have to do a, a risk-reward analysis. You know, are you going to change this 80-year-old professor's mind who's been teaching the same course for 60 years? Probably not. So sometimes it's better to bite your tongue and uh, get the A so you can just get past the class and not have to worry about your GPA or scholarship. Uh, that's basically the strategy I had to use, unfortunately, especially with my more liberal professors. So I had... Uh, this I actually wrote about this. Uh, I can't. I I used to write for a lot of campus organizations, so I can't remember if I actually published this with Campus Reform or Lone Conservative. But I wrote an article about this in 2019, I believe, 
about one of my professors who was preaching about Margaret Sanger and how she saved everybody and how she is a hero of black women in the lower class and yada, 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 yada. I raised my hand in class and I said, she was a eugenicist. And then my professor looked at me and said, that's a right wing talking point. And everyone just kind of stares, laughs. I'm just embarrassed because uh, my liberal white woman professor just said, I have a right wing talking point by saying that Margaret Sanger was a racist who tried to genocide black babies. So after that, um, I was really off put by my school in general. Uh, I wouldn't say that's the main reason I don't go to that school anymore, but it didn't help my <laughs> decision to stay. It didn't make me want to stay at all. Um, so I had several professors and several more instances like that where I was just like, I'm just going to have to write, you know, the be write my opinion in a way that doesn't seem, you know, too conservative or too much like a right wing talking point. Um, I had good grades, you know, I was on the dean's list and stuff. So I feel like my strategy probably worked. Um, and I hate to I hate to say this to kids because I want people to stand up more often for what they believe in. Um, but I think that sacrificing your grades, which can ultimately uh, impact your future and, you know, your student debt and stuff, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I agree with you. So one thing that uh, that I have that I have been telling, you know, on my podcasts and stuff like this is if, hey, if you have because I have a little bit I have more connections than the average college student when it comes to, you know, different publications uh, and, you know, my podcast and everything. I've been telling them, hey, if you experience liberal bias in school or college or high school, email me and I will cover it. And I will, under threat of, if Joe Biden came to my house with an AR-15, I have steps, so I don't think he could get there. Um, I will cover it and I will act like it was me. And I will tell, I will, you write it, it you know, and I will cover it. That way it gets exposed and you don't have to worry about your grades, um, you know, at school. That's what I've always been saying. Cause it's important to yeah. stand up because you're not going to change the professor's mind, but you might change, you know, a student's mind. And that's really, you know, you're not going to change these radical professors' minds at all. Um, so that that's 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 a great thing. You know, Olivia is a better writer than I am anyway. So maybe email Hello. Olivia here. I'll, I'll give you guys her cell phone number right now. Actually, okay. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do, do that. that. Now I do want to ask you a question. So obviously, you know, after recording this, a week, couple weeks, a couple. Anyway, Republicans, you know, one big in Virginia. They almost flipped the state of New Jersey, which I personally think was a bigger. Uh, almost a bigger testament to how bad Joe Biden is doing in office that we almost flipped one of the most liberal states in the country. Uh, Cause I think even a lot of Democrats in Virginia aren't radical Democrats. Um, what do you really put on this? Uh, you know, why did it happen? What do you think moving forward, the GOP can learn from Virginia, New Jersey and different places there on out. And what do you think the GOP's chances are in 22, 2022 and 2024 moving forward? You got to harp on the Democrats' mistakes as soon as they make them. So uh, talking about education, as soon as Terry McAuliffe uh, made a mistake when talking about education that really resonated really poorly with a lot of parents uh, was the perfect way to go. And I think we could have gone even harder because personally, I think Youngkin was a pretty boring candidate. I live, in, I live like 20, 30 minutes away from Virginia. So I always like when I'm watching TV or on YouTube, I always get political ads from Virginia. And I had... Hella Terry McAuliffe adds not one single Youngkin for governor ad. So I think that the Republicans can capitalize off of this even more um, and make more of a splash when, when Democrats make mistakes. I should see a big billboard of Youngkin's uh, school choice policy, you know, when Terry McAuliffe is saying that we want to take education out of the hands of the parents. You know, we should seeing them play up on those issues even more. 
Um, and I agree with you, New Jersey almost going red was a pretty big feat. It's a tiny little liberal state, uh, much less farmland and rural areas uh, than Virginia has. So uh, it's 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 definitely a bigger deal, I think, that it got even close to being Republican. Yeah, 100%. Now, I, I do have a question it, for you. So I've always... There's two schools of thought when voting, and I guess you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. It's like you could either bet, vote for the for the best person who you like who has no chance of winning. You could vote for the person you like the most who has the best chance of winning. Uh, that's more of, I guess, a lesser of two evils thing. Um, and so getting back to Glenn Youngkin, you know, I, I was talking to people who, who are close with Glenn Youngkin. I said, you know, would you get out of a primary in the state of Georgia? Probably not. You probably would not get out of a primary in the state of Georgia to be governor but you're not running in Georgia because in Georgia we would have heard hedge fund and ran as far away from that as we possibly could. So what, you know, what, what do you make of this? Um, you know, not every candidate is going to be ideal. Um, and you know, to the people on Twitter who they judge every candidate in the eyes of how close are you to Donald Trump in policy uh, and in rhetoric, you know, what do you make to those people saying, you know, where it's like, Hey, you, you know, we, you can't elect a Donald Trump in Minnesota, but you might be able to elect a Glenn Youngkin. Um, I do agree with you, though. He was a very boring candidate. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely something to be said about having a kind of milquetoast candidate, especially for the Republicans who contain a lot of milquetoast voters. I'm not going to lie. Um, however, I think to fight back against uh the culture war i think we do have to have somebody who is out there i'm not saying you have to have somebody who's so uh vulgar and you know causing twitter beef all the time like trump but um and i've criticized ron DeSantis a lot on policy but i will say that somebody with his charisma who's not boring who always has something to say um who's a little bit more clean cut and a little bit less vulgar than donald trump i think is a pretty perfect republican candidate would, does that mean you'd be voting for uh, Ron DeSantis in 2024? No, because I don't agree with him on policy. But I think that his charisma, his attitude, the way he like presents himself, the way he looks, even he doesn't have like crazy yellow hair or a bad spray tan, I think it makes for a more uh, palatable candidate for a lot of Republicans. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that. So this just this gets into my last question. I guess this is me asking for who you would endorse, I guess. So come 20, let's say come 2024, you know, Let's say Donald Trump, you know, that way you don't get a bunch of people tweeting at you very angrily if you don't choose him. Let's say Donald Trump is not in the election. Let's say Donald Trump has decided he's not going to run. Who would Olivia Rondo support, either, whether financially or, or just tell people to vote for, if you could choose your ideal candidate that obviously is not yourself? Who, who, who would, who would uh, Olivia be going for? Tweet at me if they want to. I've already tweeted based off of um, a few things, but mostly uh, his inaction on the war on drugs and not pardoning uh, Snowden and Assange, like there were rumors of. I just, in the bump stock, me down that didn't let a lot of mainstream conservatives down because they don't care about that stuff. But um, if I had to pick anyone for president, it would most likely be Thomas Massey, uh, vice president, and he's a Republican. So there, there's me supporting Republicans. Uh, and then for vice president, uh, might have to go with Spike Cohen. I think he's pretty radical. Um, but I think that him and Massey together would be such a dream team. They're both really exciting people, both really nice guys. Uh, I don't agree he is or a full-blown anarchist like he is, 
but um, he would be a great politician because I think he's an honest person. And I think that's even more important than uh, 100% agreement on the issues. Yeah, I think that I think you're probably 100% right there. And I, I do want to take a swing here because I'm going to try to ask everybody who their favorite U.S. senator is. It's going to be really weird once uh, we've had a U.S. senator confirm that he'll do this show in a couple of months. So I'm going to ask him and let's see if he says himself. So uh, here's the real question is if you had to choose, I guess, if you had to choose one congressman and one senator who you would say is your absolute favorite, uh, would the congressman be Thomas Massey and the senator be Rand Paul? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I guess you love Kentucky. I guess you'll go buy a home front in Kentucky. I literally, I've thought about it before. I'm like, if they're electing all these like libertarians as Republicans, maybe I should just move to Kentucky. But apparently Kentucky, like local and state government is actually like really trash. <laughs> so, um, well, it's actually weird. Cause I remember covering, I remember like studying the, the, I think it was the 2018 election there where they elected Andy Bashir. Uh, who he was like the sole Democrat to get elected that year uh, because the the governor who was running for re-election, I believe, was just absolutely crazy. So it, it's very weird. But Olivia, it appears our time is running out. So I will I want to give you a few minutes to uh, talk to, you know, just talk to people, tell them, you know, where they can find you, any message you have to anybody who could potentially be listening um, and what you have going on in the works in the future. So uh, I have my contract ending here this coming month but i am a staff writer at foundation for economic education so for the last six or so months i've been writing for them it's been super awesome a bunch of articles up there it's more libertarian leaning website it basically focuses on uh fiscal conservatism but we do delve into some social issues that kind of cross over into uh uh, economic policies such as the war on drugs and law enforcement. So that's what I write about over there. I'm also contributed to Timcast. If you guys know who Tim Pool is, go watch him on YouTube and uh, go on timcast.com uh, or, or maybe it's .net. I forget. But go on the Timcast website, read my articles. Uh, Don't worry. I won't tell Tim that you were very not prepared for this for this part of the podcast. Thank you. Timcast.something. Um, Timcast, just Google Timcast, it'll come up. Uh, and also, I am a regular guest on Kennedy on Fox Business, so go tune into Kennedy on Fox Business. I'm on there like usually every other week, so just go do that. Right. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on. And again, uh, her social media is at Rondo Olivia on Twitter, and I forgot your Instagram. I had that in my head, and then it's Rondo Olivia on Twitter, then Rondo dot olivia on instagram yeah i guess rondo somebody already took your handle but thank you again so much for coming on go follow her i definitely recommend it i'll make sure i link everything down below for those of you watching the youtube video thank you recently total wireless helped charlie michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family this event was super meaningful to them because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-2020. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. Here's to getting back together. To planned lunches and unplanned cookouts to grandma's recipes and smells that take us back, to passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces, to your best friends becoming best friends, to scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love, 
to growing closer than ever for all of life's get-togethers. Chinette, here's to us.